And this morning, we're going we're gonna to try to change gears a little bit. I'm going to encourage you a little bit this morning. I've, now, I've, if I say something that doesn't make a bit of sense, you just realize I spent the last two days in a van coming home from Mexico, okay? So I'm, I'm a little lagged this morning. I don't hear the hum in my ear yet, but I'm sure I will. But uh, this morning, I, I want to I talk to you about persevering in the valley of preparation. And I want to I encourage you. Uh, if you're not there, you will be. And uh, his promises. He's given us a book of promises to us. And then he fulfills those promises. He's given us a book full of promises. And he is working to fulfill every one of them. We enjoy, as believers, we enjoy certain promises that God gives that are common to all of us. Uh, the promise that one day He will return and He will take us to where He is. That's a promise that, that every Christian enjoys. And there are others. Salvation is a promise that, that, uh, that, that we, we live by faith, that, that our sins are forgiven. Th- those, are, those are promises that God makes that are common to all of us. But God also has very specific promises that He gives us as individuals and very definite promises that He gives each of us. And both the common and the individual promises kind of weave them themselves together to create the plan that God has for each of our lives. I don't know whether you realize this or not. Maybe you don't think this, but God has a particular plan for every one of us. He has things for us to do that nobody else can do but us through His power and in His plan. And so all, as those promises are fulfilled, we, we kind of step into the purpose for which we were created. You have a purpose for being here. It's not just to occupy space, eat food, and breathe air. We have a purpose. We have a reason for being here. And when we find that reason and we begin to step into that reason, there's a fulfillment. There's a satisfaction. There's a joy that I can't describe other than to tell you, you understand why you're here. You, you know that you know. You may be thinking to yourself this morning, I, you know what, I don't really believe God has a purpose for me. And you know, I, if, if, if there is one, I don't know what it is. Or you may be pondering a failure that happened in your life or a shortcoming or a disaster in your past and now you believe that God can't use you. I, I, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know what, I forfeited my opportunity to serve God. Listen, that's a lie that the enemy has sowed into your soul. You never forfeit your opportunity. When you repent and you ask God to forgive you, you know what, he picks up with you and he moves forward. You, 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 there are no first-class Christians and then second class, okay? The ground is level at the foot of the cross, okay? And level means there's no one that stands higher and no one that stands lower. We are all together at that place. We're all equal at that place. Maybe you're waiting and you're praying and and you're doing everything you know to do and you still haven't seen that purpose fulfilled. Or maybe, you know what, maybe you've never even heard anybody tell you that God has a plan for you. If that's the case, I want you to listen this morning to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. God says this. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and for calamity to give you a future and a hope. It's not for calamity. It's plans for welfare. And that welfare is a future and a hope. And then he says this, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And this next verse is one of my life verses. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God says, I have a plan for you. A, a personally tailored plan. He has a, he has a, a general plan, and, a, and it, it's very specific for the body of Christ, but he has a very specific and a very individual plan for each of us. And it's a, it's a plan for welfare. It's not for calamity. God's not, you know, God's, God has a future and a hope for us, not disaster. Not disaster. Often those promises come straight off the pages of Scripture. 
And that's why it's, it's so very important that we read God's Word on a daily basis so that we can, we'll know what the promises is, so that we can pray those promises back. But you know what? God often uses His Holy Spirit to speak to us. And, he get, and there are times when God gives you a promise and you know that God has promised you something. Sometimes it's, it's when we're praying. Sometimes it, it happens when we're worshiping. I, I got to tell you this morning, I really enjoyed the worship, uh, especially that last song. I just kind of left here for a few minutes. Now, I'm already about halfway there, okay, because of the traveling thing. So it wasn't a short trip, but I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed that moment. But the Holy Spirit, will, He'll use prayer and He'll use worship. Sometimes he will, He'll come in the, in the night seasons when we're asleep in our dreams and He'll speak to us. Or you know what? He can speak to you even when we're driving down the road or, or sitting in our easy chair. Or, you know, sometimes He'll speak even when the preacher's speaking, but it won't be the preacher, it'll be God. You'll hear God's voice, it'll, it'll be just as plain and as clear and it'll have nothing to do with the, with the pastor's say. That's happened in my life. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us that way. And very often those promises that God will give us come after we have a a, a mountaintop kind of experience. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you, you meet with God, everything's, I mean, it's like being in rarefied air. I mean, you do, it's just awesome. It, it's a wonderful experience. And, and very often God will, will speak there. And it, it, it can happen with a mountaintop experience with God. Sometimes it happens if you've ever fasted, if you've gone on a fast or an extended time of prayer and, and intercession. Sometimes it will happen then. But when that happens, what do you expect when God gives you a promise? What do you expect when God speaks to you and says, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it with you? What do you expect? When do you expect it to happen? Now, if you're like me and most people, you expect to happen in the next five minutes. Amen? Let's just be honest. <laughs> okay? Okay, God, do it, and do it now. I mean, that's, that, that tends to be the way we're wired. But that's the problem, and that's where the problem lies many times, and, and the reason why we get discouraged so easily. God's not bound by time. God is outside of time. He created time. Time's something that He made. And so what happens is we, we want it to happen now, right now. And so that, and we mistakenly think that God wants it to happen right now sometimes. Now, sometimes He does want it to happen, but very often it's down the road. It's, it's uh, farther out than, than we can see. And sometimes we don't realize that there's going to be some time between the promise given or the promise given and, and the provision that answers that promise received. What I call it is the time between the promise and the provision. I have a friend who who puts it like this. He says, between the mountain of promise and the mountain of provision is the valley of preparation. Now, I like the mountain of promise, and I like the mountain of provision. I'm not real fond of the valley, okay, where I get prepared and and most people are not and so what happens is when we're on that mountain top and we're meeting with God and we get that promise that provision looks just like it's right there how many of you have ever been up in the mountains and spent some time and when you're up on top of a mountain the other mountain tops look like they're just in your face this week in Mexico, for those of you that have been out on the center, uh, there was just one night this week. It rained every day and every night, okay? If you want to know where the rain is, it's south of here, okay? But usually at night, the stars, I mean, they look like they're just right here. It's like you could reach out and touch them. There's a perception problem because it's, you're so bright, it's so bright. And, and when you're on top of a mountain and you're looking at other mountaintops, there's a perception problem. You can't gauge how far it is away. And they just, they just look like they're about to fall on you. And so we have a perception problem in our faith. We have a perception problem when God gives us promises. Those promises that He gives 
often have a miraculous solution. The provision is, is often miraculous, and it often takes some time. And so what happens is we, we see that, that promise, and we feel like that provision is within reach. We take a few steps, a few minutes. The reality of it is, is it's a little bit farther away once we get to the bottom of the mountain. Once we come off of that mountain with God, that mountaintop experience, and we've had the promise. When we get into the, to the, valley, the valley area, it's a lot wider. I, I thought about this, this uh, over the last couple of days. As, as you go to, to Potus, those of you being will, will know this. Once you cross into Mexico, there's a mountain ridge on one side and a mountain ridge on the other. And it's desert, or it's what I call desert. It's cactus and everything out there that grows has thorns on it, okay? And they're destined to hurt you, all right? And I, and I think about Clint Eastwood and High Plains Drifter, and I can hear that music, okay? That's, the way, that's just what I think about. And I just, I thought, you know, this is the valley between those mountains. That, 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 that could be the mountain of promise, that could be the mountain of provision, but gosh, this is a big old valley in between. And folks, that's the way it is in, in life. And and that valley is is is, is tough to cross. And the problem is we don't when we're standing on that mountain, we don't have anything to gauge the distance to the next mountaintop. But once you reach that valley, you know what? Your perception changes. You realize that, hey, this may not happen as quickly as I thought. Well, I, I would just say to you, welcome to the Valley of Preparation. Welcome to that place where uh, God prepares you. You may, be, you may say, well, what, what's God preparing me for? Well, the preparation required to receive the provision of God's promise that propels you into God's purpose for you. He, he's, he's working on you to prepare you to receive everything that He has so that you can fulfill everything that He wants to be done. It's, it's just like going into the military. Where, where's the first place they take you when you show up for your induction? They take you to boot camp. You're, you're not ready to go to war yet. And, and I don't know if anybody's ready to go to war after boot camp, but they prepare you for what you're about to be called upon to do. They, they train you. And God does the same thing. He doesn't give us a gun, folks, and push us out of an airplane and say, get after it. He, he, he prepares us. And that, what we, we tend to forget is, is we, we like the promise and we like the provision, but the journey through the preparation is very, very important. We want to hurry through that instead of learn everything that we need to learn. Now, this valley that I'm kind of talking about this morning has been called a lot of things in the church, and in Scripture as well. It's been called, uh, St. John of the Cross called it the dark night of the soul. If you don't know who St. John of the Cross is, you ought to read the dark night of the soul. It's been called the desert. You ever talk to somebody and they say, how you doing? Well, I'm going through the desert right now. And they got this, you know, they don't have a smile on their face. They've got this big frown. It, it's called the wilderness. You remember Jesus? What happened after uh, his baptism? It says the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness so that he could undergo the, the testing by the enemy. There, there was a time of preparation before he began to minister to people. It's also called the, the fiery furnace. Uh, some people even call it Gethsemane. Jesus spent the night in Gethsemane preparing himself for what he would do the next day. Whatever you choose to call it, listen, it's the place God has chosen to prepare you and he's chosen to prepare me to receive the fulfillment of his promise. It, it's that place where God will cook you, okay? I mean, he will turn the heat on. He, he will break you. He will melt you. He'll turn your life upside down, inside out. He'll pour into you at the same time. He will stomp stuff out of you. He'll fill you up and he'll mold you into the person he can use. And it's there, guys, that, and folks, it's there that we'll be tried and we'll be tested and we'll be tempered. We'll be put through the fire so that, so that we're tempered. And then we'll be trained for the next phase of where God's taking us. 
You know what? That journey across that valley is just as important as the final destination. That's, that's the thing that God's been teaching me over the last few years is that that journey is just as important as the destination. Because if I don't learn what I'm supposed to learn on the journey, I won't see what I'm supposed to receive when I get to the destination. If I don't pay a price, I won't be looking for the small things. And so, we have to learn not just to survive, but if we're going to cross that valley, we have to survive. But we have to learn to thrive in it. And that, that valley that looks so desolate, I mean, I look out, whenever I go to Mexico, I look out at, at, that, at that place. And I've been, I've been several times, I've seen it brown and dry, and I've seen it green, filled with life. But it's still desolate. There's not much water out there. There's not much of anything alive. And like I said, every plant out there has thorns on it or, or, or briars or something. It's designed to keep you away from it. And so there, although it, it doesn't look like it, that, that place is a blessing. And so you struggle with the blessings and the curses as you go through this valley. But you need to prepare yourself because there are going to be great moments of joy. But there's also going to be deep sadness as you take that journey because you're being prepared. Now, my desire this morning is, like I said, is, is to encourage you, but it, it's not just to help you survive that crossing. I want you to thrive, and I believe God wants you to thrive on this journey uh, because your Christian life's not going to be just one valley. It's not going to be just one mountain of promise and, and one mountain of provision with a valley in between. It's going to be endless mountains of promise, a valley, the provision, the promise, the valley. The provision. That, that's the Christian life. I mean, it, it, that's the way it is. When, when we get saved, we don't get to sit on a fluffy pillow and everything be all right. If you do, I've gotten in the wrong line, and I need help to find the place where you're at, okay? It, it's trials and, and temptations and, and t- tribulations and, and, and testings and moments of, of indescribable joy and Moments of, of, of the pits of the depths, okay? That's just the way it is. And God is preparing us. He's, 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 he's strengthening us. And so he's preparing. The reason he's preparing us is because there will come a mountain of provision that you have to climb, okay? You won't float from the promise over to the other top provision. You have to climb that. And if you're not prepared to climb that, if you didn't learn the lessons in the valley, you'll never secure the provision you need so that that promise will come true. Okay? Most of God's promises are conditional. He says, I will do this if you will do this. Now, there are some promises that are not conditional, but most of the ones that I'm talking about this morning are conditioned on our obedience. They're conditioned on our listening and and understanding and learning. And so he uses those valleys to prepare us. That climb up that that mountain of provision, it's going to require some strength. It's going to require some some skill and some perseverance and some faith and, 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 and some obedience. And you know what? God is a gracious God. He prefers training us in places where if we bobble, or we slip, or we trip, or we fall, it won't kill us. Okay? When you get on the mountain, guess what? If you bobble, or trip, or slip, it might be, it might be devastating. And you know what? It could mess somebody else up as well. It's not just about us. We live in a nation where it's all about me. Folks, it's not about me. It's about us. Okay? And, and this is about God. And so God puts us in a place where it's safer. Where when we fail, He can dust us off. He can, he can heal those wounds. And He can straighten us up and encourage us and give us a little push and we take off. That, that's what the valley, that's what the valley is so, why the valley is so important. And so He uses the valley as sort of a, a basic training for us. And when we come to that, that mountain of promise, we typically kind of overpack. Any of y'all ever overpack? 
We paid dearly for overpacking on the cruise. Once we got back home and off the boat, didn't matter going over, didn't matter coming back. But my little flight from New York City to Birmingham, it mattered. <laughs> we, we, we think we need so many things. But as we, we come off that mountain of promise, we, 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 we begin to grab things. Oh, I'll need this and I'll need that. And, and so in that valley of preparation, we realize that uh, we might have overpacked. Most of the stuff we think we need, we don't really need. I'm learning. I'm just about down to this when I go to Mexico. I've been 10 times. I need a pair of pants to work in. I need two t-shirts. Okay? Because they have a washing machine. I need some other things to wear, which I'll not go into. When I teach, I need a, I need a couple of clean shirts, a couple of pair of pants, and I can rotate. And that's about all I need. And one of these days, that's all I'm going to pack. Okay? I always pack goodies. Kathy always gets me some goodies. I can't eat them all because all we do all the way down and once we get there is eat. Okay? It's just I overpack, overpack. And that's what happens to us very often. We, we overpack or we pack the wrong things. We think we'll need things that we really don't need. Most of the stuff we take with us on, the, on this journey I'm telling you about eventually slow us down. Okay? Or worse, it leaves us stranded without the stuff that's essential. I mean, you can take a lot of good things, but if you don't take the right things, the good things don't do you any good. And so God, from time to time, he'll point out stuff in our backpacks that we don't really need. And he expects us to reach in there and grab hold of it and, and jettison, just toss it away. And, and what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about this is, is a lot of times that we've picked up stuff, emotional wounds, and we've picked up spiritual wounds, and we've stuffed them down in that backpack, and, and we expect we're going to carry them the rest of our life. Now, it may be hurts, it may be wounds, it may be fears, it may be lies that we've believed. But God, in His mercy, desires to confront those things. He, he desires to reveal them. He desires to heal them so that we can just take them out and say, you know what, God, I'm not going to need this. I'm not going to need fear. I'm not going to need shame. I'm not going to feed the, uh, need the lie that, uh, that, that, that was spoken over me when I was a kid that I would never amount to anything. I'm not going to need those things. I'm not going to be, he's, you're not going to be able, listen to me, you're not going to be able to carry them up that mountain of provision. Okay? I'm just telling you that now. Your knees will buckle before you get to the answer of the promise because they will weigh you down. They will destroy you. I love what First Peter Verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares, and that word cares there means anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. As, as we make that journey across that valley, God walks beside us with a garbage can. Okay? Because he don't want us tossing trash out, you know, in, in, the, in the valley. He doesn't want us to toss out things that other people will trip on. He carries that garbage can so we can go, you know what, God, I'm not going to need this. You're right. You're right. You're right. And he, he wants us to drop it in. Let, let me kind of give you a picture of what I'm talking about. Now, if I were to go on a long hike, and I'm not going on one, okay, but if I were to go on one, and I was going to take everything I needed in a backpack, I've got to take things that are necessary. Amen? Because you can only put so much in a backpack, and you can only carry so much weight. Now, I love Diet Mountain Dews. Okay, I'm, just, I'm not going to lie to you. And if left to my own devices, I'd put as many in the three-liter, two-liter bottles as I could get in there. I'd hook a straw. I'd hook them all together and hook a straw. Okay? But I'm, I'm just telling you that. But you know, the reality of it is a bottle of water would probably be better for me, right? I can hear you. 
by water, it would be it would be smarter and more refreshing. Now I, I love music. Okay, man, I could just imagine getting a big old boombox. For those of you that are old as I am, y'all know what I'm talking about. Just a big radio putting on my shoulder. Well, you know what? What's going to happen after a mile or two? My arms are going to get tired of holding that radio, and then I'm going to have to hold it by the handle. At some point, that music not going to sound good at all. I'm going to have to let go of it. So I don't need that big radio. It's too heavy. And, and you know what? Even if I could carry it, over time, the batteries are going to wear out. Okay? I can't afford to pack batteries in my backpack. I don't have any room for them. So I, I, I got to get rid of it. Now, maybe all I need is my telephone, my cell phone. I, that's probably a good idea. I'm going to slide that down in my, my pocket in case there's an emergency. I can call somebody else. But you know what? You got to dress for success. When you go on, when you go on a hike, there are people going to see you. And you know, it's more important to, to feel good, to look good. That's right. Thank you. It's better to look good than to feel good. Amen? You say, I don't believe that. Well, I'm looking at y'all. Y'all look really good. Some of you don't feel good because you don't like the, what you're having to wear today. But, it, you know, I could put some really cool clothes on, some cool shoes. But what I need are some, some shoes that are made to walk in. And some pants that are light, but are functional. They got pockets in them. I need a shirt that 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 breathes. Okay, I don't need a turtleneck. All right, I need something that breathes. And so the clothes I I put on are imported. I need functional stuff. And you know, I probably need a compass. Now, if you're like most men, we don't need no stinking compass, okay? <laughs> but we do. We need a compass. A compass is, you know, why do I need a compass? I can see the other mountain peak from here. You ever been really hot? You're trying to keep lined up on a position ahead of you, and you get sort of disoriented, and next thing you know, you're going the opposite direction. You ever done that? Okay, you, you know what I'm talking about. A compass will help you. Okay, <laughs> we need something to guide us, and so you know, I don't really need most of the stuff that I would put in my backpack. I need essentials. I need a way to build a fire. Okay, I only care so many matches, so I need something else. A Zippo lighter. Okay, it's going to run out again. I need something else. I need, you know, I need something to cover up with night, with at night if it gets cool. I need some food. Some, some food that packs tight and gives you energy. Okay, I'm not going to be able to carry four or five steaks with me. Before I can get them cooked, they're going to go bad. So I need, I need essential stuff. And that's what I'm talking about. In, in that valley, God wants us to unpack that stuff that's, that's so unnecessary, that we think so important. And he wants us to replace it with things that are essential. And, and some of those things that, that we're going to replace as we go across that valley of preparation is we're going to learn to forgive. Okay? To forgive. And when we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, it's like hauling rocks around. You're not going to get very far. Okay? And that, or that backpack's going to weigh you. It's going to crush you. We we got to we got to we got to get some unforgiveness. We we can't carry sin very far, so we're going to need some repentance. Man, we need to be filled with God's Spirit. We need prayer. We need to to be memorizing uh, scriptures. We need to be putting those things to memory in our minds, and, and we need faith, and 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 we need perseverance. And you know, to cross that valley of preparation efficiently and effectively, I've got to get rid of everything that trips me and wears me out. And and God will. Point those out from time to time as we go across that valley. I, I love what, what the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How many of you know what honeysuckles are? You ever waded around in honeysuckles? You ever tried to run through them? How about kudzu? It's even bigger and, and better. You can't run through kudzu. You can't run through honeysuckles. They, they get wound around your feet, and the next thing you know, you're, you're face-to-face with the ground. I mean, you, you've just 
fallen uh, spread eagle there on, on the ground. That's what God's trying to do with all of these things that we get so easily tangled up with in our lives, with, our, with, with just these little sins, just with, with unforgiveness. Well, you know what? I'm going to get even with that old boy someday. No, you're not. You're really not. You're going to get tangled up and fall on your face. And you're not going to know how you got there, and you're not going to know how to get out of there because the weight of unforgiveness is going to crush you. The same is true with sin. We, we, can, we can harbor pet sins, but I'm going to just tell you, at some point they will bite you and they will destroy you. And God just wants to, he wants to just gently take those away. He, wants, he doesn't want to have to reach in there and twist them out of my hands and wrench them away from me. He wants me to go, hey God, would you take this? Would you take this? Would you take this? That, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing as we wind our way through that valley. Now, there's another resource that, that's going to be developed. And, and by that, I mean developed like a muscle. You're going to learn to persevere. Okay? You're going to learn not to give up. Because if you give up easy, you will never make it from the point of promise to the place of provision. Okay? I'm just, I just tell you that. Because there are all kind of problems that are going to present themselves. I don't know about at your house, but at our house, problems don't come solo. They come in multiples. They come in waves. It's not just one. If it were just one, I, I wouldn't get discouraged or, 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 or want to give up so easy. But it's just like wave after wave after problem after problem. How many of you have ever had a, your car break down? Most of us have. What happens next? Something else breaks down. Your lawnmower breaks down. Refrigerator goes out. What happens next? Your dishwasher goes out, or or the plumbing goes on the blank, or the or or, or whatever. I mean, it's just it just it just comes in multiples, and that's 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 what happens in our lives. Now, a problem you can define. Problem comes from two words: pro and blem, and and it means something that jumps up in front of you, that positions itself in your path, and says, "What are you going to do about it? How are you going to deal with this?" Well, there's different ways. Problems are designed to make us give up or take another route, an easier route. So we have to understand that. We have to understand we have some options. The first option is, you know what, you can depend on what's happened in the past and what you've accomplished, maybe your 401k or your bank account, and you can go back. You know what? It's not worth it. That's what the children of Israel wanted to do. Hey, we're going back. We enjoyed the onions and the leeks in Egypt. Now, every time I read that, I go, how many onions and leeks can you eat? I mean, I like onions, okay? And as far as I know, leeks are the same thing as onions, aren't they? I mean, pretty much. So I, how many onions can you actually eat? They, were, they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back, and it was better to be a slave. That's what they're saying. I, I would rather live in slavery. And, and we may laugh at that mindset, but folks, that's a way a lot of Christians live. I know what's back there. Even though I'm a slave to it, I'm comfortable with that. I can't tell you how many people have told me, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid of being free. Because I don't know what that's like. But I know what my bondage is like. I know how to deal with it. And I just... I just kind of shake my head. I just don't, I don't understand that. But they're, they're, they want to go back. That's an option. You, you can go back. There's another option. You can compromise and you can go around the problem and you can refuse to deal with it. But guess what? You will see it over and over and over. You ever gotten lost? And over time realized you were driving in circles or walking in circles? You kept seeing the same familiar thing. That's what happens when we don't deal with problems. Those problems continue to manifest and they get bigger and they get bigger and they get bigger. I call that running laps in the desert. You remember the children of Israel? How many years did they run laps? Forty. Forty. Till every one 
and the generation that left Egypt was dead, except for for uh, Joshua. Y'all have to help me on the other one, Caleb. Even Moses and Aaron died before they crossed. Joshua and Caleb were all that was left of that generation. They ran laps till they got it right. I'm not a big lap runner. I don't enjoy laps. I don't enjoy the same scenery over and over and over. I get bored. Okay? I don't know about you. But that's, that's an option. Or you can sit down in front of the problem. When you hit that first problem, you can just flop down and give up. You can say, it's just too hard. I wish somebody else would do this for me. In fact, I deserve somebody else to do this for me. That's where we are in this nation. Okay? We have, a, we have a generation of people who it's just too hard. It's not what I wanted. It's not working like I thought it would work. Well, folks, you can change that. But you have to get up and you have to do something. It, it's the idea of just stick a fork in me. I quit. Now, those are three options. Okay? But they're not really choices. There's only one real choice this morning. And that's look that problem in the eye, and it's don't blink, and it's confidently step through it. We have to go through it, or we have to go over it. We can't go around it, and we can't run from it. That's the I trust you, God, mentality. If God's giving you a promise, and he's taking you down into that valley of preparation, guess what? If you'll hang on to his hand, he will drag you across that valley, until you get to that mountain of provision. And you'll be able to go up it. You'll be prepared to climb. You've got to persevere. You've got to hang on. Most problems I've learned in my life are a lot smaller than they first appear. You ever had to do something and you convinced yourself it was just going to be impossible and you didn't want to do it and you just you just procrastinated and and then finally you did it, and it was simple, and you wished you hadn't wasted as much time. That's what most problems are like. They're a lot bigger than they look. They're like barking dogs. Most barking dogs, their bite, I mean their bark is bigger than their bite. They're barking to keep you away from them. Instead, we've got to just learn to say, God, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I trust you. And we have to learn to have a heart of faith and to use that faith. And we have to learn perseverance. You know, Jesus is, is a, a great reminder and a, a great picture and a great example of what happens when things get tough. Look at, look at this morning at Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to read the latter part of verse 5 and, and verse 6. For he himself, and the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus. For Jesus has said... I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now that's a pretty good promise, amen? Well, amen, preacher. Yeah, I guess it is. Let me try again. <laughs> Y'all can't feel any worse than I feel this morning, okay? That's a pretty good promise. Listen, he says, I will never desert you. No matter what problem you encounter, I won't leave you there by yourself. I don't care what you're going through this morning or, or where you're at in life or the circumstance that you're fa- facing. You're not by yourself. Jesus has promised, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. There, there won't come a time when I go, hey, you got more problems than I can deal with. I'm going to go on to somebody else. That's not Jesus. He's never going to do this. He's never going to leave us. But I love what what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Now that's straighten your back up, get a backbone, lift your head up, and go. You may be in my way, but you're not going to be in my way long. That's not arrogant. That's just confidence. That's boldness in Jesus Christ. No matter what the enemy throws our way, we can go through it with Jesus. 
I love to watch football. And one of the things I love to watch the most is, is when, a, when, when they run a, a running plays. I'm not, I like passes, okay, but man, I like the head knocking stuff, okay? I'm sorry. It's, I know it causes concussions and it's not good. But that's the kind of football I like. Snot nose, bloody nose, hard football. Okay, I know y'all didn't want to hear that. But what I love is when they line up at the goal line and they bring this big old boy in. He weighs about 320 pounds and he he lines up in the position of a running back. I know he's not going to carry the ball. He's going to block. That little pencil neck quarterback or the running back that's, you know, he weighs about 220. He's going to follow the big boy through. Guys, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, get behind me and follow me through. I'm going through. And you can go with me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. We're not going to get out here in the open field. And I'm going to say run as hard as you can. They're going to get you. No, I'm going I'm to take you to the goal line. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, he also says this in Matthew chapter 28, 20. He says, I am with you always. How long is always? Forever. How long is forever? Forever. And ever and ever. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's not going anywhere. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you halfway across before you get to that provision. If he has made you a promise, he will take you into that promise completely. Now, I want to warn you, there are some dangers, okay? As you cross this valley, there's some dangers that you need to be aware of. One of them is just the daily grind of ordinary. You know what I'm talking about? Just normal life. That stuff we do and we don't even think about. It's the day in, day out stuff where we're faced with normal decisions about simple things. What am I going to do with my family? How am I going to handle my finances? What about my marriage? What about my friendships? What about my work? What about my kids? What about my hobbies? What about going shopping? Just just normal stuff, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. The stuff that every day is made out of. But now here's the place where you will be tempted to cut corners and take shortcuts. Here's the place where, you know what, I just let this slide today. Nobody's looking. Nobody knows about it. Doesn't really matter. Listen, it does matter. And it matters a great deal to God who's looking. And he wants to see how carefully you handle the small stuff, the commonplace things. Because listen to me, it's here in the mud of the mundane that miracles are birthed. It's, it's here in the muck of the ordinary that the extraordinary is released. It, you know, we, we, we sometimes disregard things. We disregard the ordinary, ordinary but l- literally the tyranny of the ordinary, it's, the, it's out of the tyranny of the ordinary, it's under those lashes that we get there. Under that same old, same old, that we learn to be faithful in small things. And listen, if I can't be faithful in small things, I won't be faithful in big things. There are powerful lessons that we have to learn through life's daily grind. Luke 16, 10, Jesus says this. He says, he who is faithful, she who is faithful in very little things is faithful in much. And he or she who is unrighteous in a little thing is also unrighteous in much. In other words, if I can't handle the small things, I'm not going to handle the big things. If I can't take care of the little things day in and day out, you know what? I'll never have any big things to take care of. Now, that's the first danger. It's just the ordinary danger. Now, the second danger is probably one you would you would think, hey, that's, that's for sure. And that's is you're probably going to encounter the devil or a part of his team. Okay, you're probably going to encounter. If you see him, you can bet you are on the right road. All right. If you're wondering where you're at, and if you're you're headed where God wants you to go, if the devil or one of his emissaries is there, you can bet you're in the right place. And and if not, then guess what? You're lost in the high grass. Okay, you're 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 in left field, far left field. The devil's goal is to stop you 
from achieving God's purpose and reaching the provisions of the promise that he's given you. That's it. He wants to stop you from getting that. He's a thief, okay? And he makes his living off stolen promises, okay? He steals promises, and you know what? He wants yours. He wants every one of them. And he will do whatever it takes to get them. Now, as you're cruising across that, that valley of preparation, you're going to see him with his thumb out, all right? Because he wants a ride. He doesn't like to walk, all right? He likes to ride. And so he wants to get in there and he wants to tell you some long drawn out story about how long it's been he's been stranded and he wants to promise you the world so you'll take him to the next rest stop. Listen, don't pick him up. Okay? Don't pick him up. He's never consent, content just to ride. He always wants to drive. That's some of the best excuse an old man gave me one time. He says, you see the devil hitchhiking, don't pick him up. He never wants to ride. He only wants to drive. Think about that. That's Bible. Okay? Just doesn't have any of these or thous in it. He he always wants to drive. He always has to have a partner. Y'all have heard me say this over and over. If you don't partner with the devil, he can't slow you down. He can't hamper your arrival. He can't steal your promises unless you allow him to ride with you. Now, I'm going to give you some some plain advice. and I'm just going to call it counsel right here. If you see him and he is standing in your path, Mash the gas in Jesus' name, okay? And if he doesn't move, run right over the top of him. Don't look back. Keep the gas mashed for 10 or 15 minutes, all right? I would even encourage you, once you get on top of him, spin your wheel some. But don't stop, all right? I'm, I'm being humorous, but I'm being very serious. Too many of us slow down. And he gets in. And he lies to us. And we go in circles. Or worse, we, we, we turn around and we don't even know we've turned around. Whatever you do, don't let him in your, your car. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and the first part of verse 9 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. In other words, keep your eyes open. He's there. You just need to be alert. Because it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith. He's looking for someone to eat. Okay? Determine in your heart, it ain't going to be me. Okay? It's not going to be my family. It's not going to be my wife. It's not going to be my husband. It's not going to be my children. And then live that mentality out day in and day out. Now, we have to pack lightly and we have to pack smartly. We have to persevere through every problem. We've got to be faithful in the small things and whatever we do, we don't partner with the devil. And if, if we'll do those things, eventually we will cross that valley of preparation, and we will stand at the base of that mountain that holds the provisions, that makes God's purpose a reality in my life, in your life. When you get there, don't just stare at it. And be like Gomer Powell. Golly! I can't believe it. Man, reach out and take it. When you get there, grab a hold of it. Take it, grasp it. Everything that you need will be there if you'll just step into that promise. You're at the place. I mean, I know too many people who've come through the preparation and they, they can't believe that God would actually answer their prayers. And they just freeze up. Don't freeze up. Climb the mountain. Take the prize. That may be what the past six minutes, the past six months, this past six years, the past 60 years has been happening with you. You may have been on a, on a, you may have been given a promise and you've been in the the preparation phase for a long time and all of a sudden you're there. 
You know, too many people get get shell shocked in the preparation phase, and and they can't see anything. They they they've taken their eyes off Jesus, and they're just looking at the ground and the problem around them. Get your eyes up because you have run into the provision for the promise God's given you. I love this this Latin phrase, carpe diem. Do you know what that means? Seize the day. Seize the day. Seize the moment. Seize whatever it is that is the provision of the promise God's given you. Now, you've, you've completed the journey. You've gotten the promise. You've made it across the valley of preparation. And you've ascended to the heights of the mountain of provision. That promise has come true. It, it's become a part of your life. Now, you know what? Get ready. Because that same mountain of provision has now become another mountain of promise. It has a front side, has a back side. And guess what happens? You're going to go back down into another valley of preparation. God's about to show you another promise on that very same mountain. And you need to seek the summit of the provision on that's out there on the horizon. So take a deep breath. Get your legs under you. Make sure you're packed right. And then just, you know, enjoy it for a few minutes. And then, you know what? You head back down into the valley for the next problem. That is the Christian life until Jesus comes and takes us. So we need to learn how to hike. We need to learn how to pack a backpack. We need to learn how to climb and avoid dangers. Because every time we go across one of those valleys, we should get smarter. We should get leaner and meaner, okay? We should be able to transverse the valleys quicker because we're learning the lessons that God's wanting to teach us. I know some of you this morning, you've been in a place for a long time and you've given up, okay? Don't give up. You may be one step away from the provision. Some of you are just getting into a valley. God's giving you a promise. You're just stepping in. Some of you are still waiting for your promise. Listen. Listen to God. He'll make the promise evident. He'll make the, the answer uh, evident. And you can see it. But you've got to transfer. you got to traverse. You've got to cross that valley. You've got to prepare yourself. Folks, that's the Christian life. It's not going to get easier. Okay? Until Jesus comes. It's not going to get better. I don't care who's been elected. All right? I won't, I, I'm thrilled to death today that, that one won and one didn't win. But here's, here's the issue. Scripture says it will only get worse. All right? So we need to realize this. We may have a moment in our, the history of our nation to make a difference. This may be what God's been preparing some of you for all your life for this moment. I don't know. We can't depend on government. It'll let us down. We can't depend on social programs. They'll run out of money. What we have to depend on is Jesus Christ. And if we'll learn to walk in the valley and hold on to his hand and let him take us where he wants to lead us, Guys, we will get to the promise. We will get to the provision where the promise is fulfilled and we will see God move. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.